0: Welcome to the Working Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Tony of Woodland Iron, joined by Keith of Blackthorn Concepts and Chad of Chad's Custom Creations. Going on, boys. Hi, howdy. I didn't know that I was supposed to say something. Hey,
1: guys. <laughs> you did not say my name.
2: Now, we're also joined by Austin from High Caliper Craftsman Builds. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's one of them. I don't know which one you go with these days, but. Any of them fine. With that, I'd like to thank our, our sponsor, Sabretooth. Uh, you can go to sabretooth.com for all your power c- carving burrs and discs. If you use code WH, you can save 10% help support the podcast.
0: And I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Maritime Nice Supply, the one stop shop for makers um, at maritime nice supply.com. Um, by using the code RAMSHEAD, you can get yourself $100 off a ram's head forging press so once again i'd like to thank them for their their sponsorship i feel like our introduction of
3: austin was lacking (laughs) like
2: (laughs) well i didn't know he was going to talk there i was
3: we were waiting on keith but keith is a little under the weather so everyone will just have to bear with us so let's see what we can do here for austin we have austin of high caliber craftsmen joining us tonight. He also has a podcast called Making Our Way that you guys should all definitely go check out. It's a great show, a great listen, and it is a great honor to have him on the show with us tonight. Especially, hopefully, he can pick up some of the slack that Keith is probably going to be dropping tonight. (laughs)
2: I'll I'll do my best. Rub it in, Chad. I got to get it while I can. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for coming (laughs) on tonight, Austin. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, man. Anytime.
2: So what would you say you primarily make? Pens?
1: Yeah. So for my business, is I make pens. That's what I do every day. Most of the time, I make, you know, like copper, brass, aluminum, some carbon fiber stuff. And then I make a ton of pens that are 308 shell casings. So like back-to-back 308 shells. Um, and I do tons of different styles. That's my like real job. And then I do, you know... I do a little bit of YouTube, but it's, it's more of a play thing. So like, you know, building kind of just projects that interest me or, or that I think I can make a cool version of, and then I just, um, I'll film them. And basically what it does is allows me, it gives me an excuse to buy new tools that are cool. And, um, and then I have an excuse to the wife. I'm like, I need it for the video. Right. So, um, and then not only that it just breaks up the monotony, like I make so many pens. It's kind of like you're a button presser after a while, like you're just in a factory and I, I, my brain needs a break. You got to be careful with the YouTubes there. I know you're saying it's
3: just kind of a hobby right now, but who knows? That may end up becoming your full-time gig at some point. So, so be prepared for that because you never know what might happen. But Austin, I'm curious, what got you started on the pens and how did that become your full-time
1: gig? So, so originally, I, was, I built surfboards for a living and I did that. From, I started building surfboards when I was 16, and then I built them until I was 32. One Easter, I went to my my uncle's house, and he, while we were there, he's like, hey, come out in the shop. I want to show you something. And he had made a pin for my cousin, um, whose father had passed away, and it was a shell casing, and then he turned a piece of wood for the back. And the, the shell casing was from the 21-gun salute at his funeral. And I told him, I was like, that is the most killer thing I've ever seen. Can you show me how to make that? And uh, so he showed me and I was like, what well, would be really cool is if you ditch the wood and then did another shell casing on the back. And then we figured out the, how to get it to work. And um, so I, I actually, I started, I was, I still had my surf shop. I had my surfboard factory. And then I was also making pins in, in the surfboard factory. And um, so I kind of had like two businesses going at one time. And um, the pin, I was like, people kept asking me like, Hey, you know, can I get one of those pens? Cause I just, I made a quick Instagram and, uh, which is high caliber craftsman is my name. Cause it's high caliber, right? 308. Um, that was the idea behind it. But then I was like, Oh, then I can also use it for like anything I build. Like as long as it's, you know, up to the, the level that it needs to be for crap for, to be considered craftsman. And, um, when I made the Instagram for the pens, it like rocketed off compared to, and this is like, I guess maybe like 2013. So like Instagram prime days, you know, like it doesn't even look like the same app anymore. (laughs) Back in the glory days. Yeah. Where you could actually just grow naturally. Like there was no algorithm and stuff. And uh, so that account just went nuts. And uh, so many people were DMing me and I was like, I have to do something cuz I can't live in the DMs with this business. Like it's it's just overtaking and plus I'm trying to run a surfboard factory and hold a retail store and all of these things are going on at the same time. And uh finally I told my wife I was like one something has to give. Like I can't do everything at the same time. So we were kind of approaching the end of summer and plus I wanted to get away from the chemicals cuz uh, surfboard resin it's polyester resin. It's super toxic. And uh, you know all the my heroes that built surfboards that I kind of grew up looking at, they were all falling out with cancer,
0: like every single
1: one. And I was like, yeah, I can't, can't do this. So all all of that's happened. And then I had my first kid and, um, and then I put up a website for the pens and they went nuts. And so I ended up like hiring a bunch of my family members to like staff the pen side while I was kind of figuring out how to, what to to do with the, the surf shop. And, um, at a certain point it was like i'm losing money cuz i'm building boards to satisfy customers when i could build way more pens and make more money and and not have to have this map. cuz at that time i had like a 5000 square foot facility for building them then i had a 2000 square foot retail store like it was just you know insane and so that at the at the end of that summer i was like okay i'm just going to close i'm just going to close it down and, um, so when I closed it down and I just went full time with pens, which was really <laughs> nerve wracking because yeah, you know, 16 years, all I did was build boards. And then, um, it took about a month before I was like, yeah, I should have did this like a long time ago. <laughs> the just the sales were killer. And, um, it, um, it was a real learning process because I wasn't really on, I was online, but I wasn't like doing online sales with surfboards like, you know, you didn't have to like pack you can't pack and ship it. They're ten foot long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh at least easily. Whereas now I'm selling something that's five inches long and it just goes in like a watch box, you know? So it's um it was a big swing. But um and but it was like a culture shock really. And I like all of a sudden I had to like be on top of being on Instagram and Facebook and all this other jazz. So that's pretty much how it went. And then ever since then, I've just been jamming that out and, and starting the YouTube was like an excuse to like have a little break, you know, yeah. and, uh, and I, I haven't shaped the surfboard since I don't, I know I shaped one board, one board since then and, and I don't miss it. <laughs> and, and I'm sure
3: the listeners at this point can hear that you are, you're, you've got jets flying over your head. I'm guessing you're near a military base or an air force base. What What are, what are we
1: near? Yeah, so we're near Oceana, which is a Navy jet base. Um, those are F-18s going over. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm near the uh Touch and Go land landing strip. So when they're doing uh practice or qualifications for their um uh to to be able to go out on the carrier and land, I have to hear it while they're doing it.
3: <laughs> no, no worries. I was I was wondering if you have any connections to that base with uh the pens that you're selling. I know like uh, retirement gifts and things like that are kind of a big seller for the
1: military. So yeah, when I built boards, all the squadron guys that surfed, they would come to me and we'd do like retirement where they, they would give us one of their challenge coins. We'd sink it in the board, all the guys that fly with them, that kind of stuff. So when I went to Penn's, um, all those customers kind of went with me and we do a bunch of stuff for the SEAL team guys because um, they always have new things and stuff. Unfortunately, the, they have super cool logos, but I'm not allowed to post well. any of them because it's, you know... Their, nice. their stuff, but, Uh-oh. um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be careful which ones, I mean, you know, if they don't say anything to you, you're probably okay. But the guys, two of the groups that I do stuff for are like, you can't post this. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I need to start um, asking. <laughs>
3: this yeah. Is what you I should ask. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, um, so yeah, I got them and then my, my father-in-law, he's an ex, uh, F14 guy. Um, so I have a couple in through him and stuff. So yeah, I, I do a little bit of sales for that. When I had the retail store, because we, we were selling, it was kind of a weird combo, we were selling surfboards, and then on the front table there, I had a display of pens, and um, people would come in and realize it, and it'd be in a Navy town, I sold a bunch of them.
2: They are cool. They're not all just casing pens, though. You have other pens.
1: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. The casings are one of my, you know, that's like the bread and butter, but then i do a ton of, like, machined, you know, more, like, high-end stuff. Um and do, I do some like uh, mammoth tooth stuff. Kind of, It's like anything you see guys doing with like knives, like Damascus, that kind of stuff, I do that too. Um, you know, just try to really just try to make cool stuff. If you make it cool enough, you'll sell it for sure. So It's a good mantra to have. If you make it cool enough, it'll sell. Yeah. <laughs> if you build it,
2: they will come. <laughs> yeah.
3: I don't know if you're willing to give away any of your secrets, but I know – Instagram sales is a time suck because you're having to talk to people getting their payment information can be kind of awful. Where did you go as far as your online presence after Instagram? Did you set up like a Shopify and Etsy or where did you go from there?
1: Yeah. So I'm on Shopify and that was just for ease of like, it it was easy because you can get a template. It's, it's not, you don't have to know what you're doing, right? That's, that's why I went to that, and it was easy for me to update for my phone. Um, but really, so like during that time, Instagram and Facebook, like my Facebook, I've got like 140,000 followers. It was easy to do back then because it, it it was just every single person that followed you, they were seeing every single post and sharing posts like crazy. And it wasn't so much pay to play like it is now. For And I can give you an exact phrase. For, for instance, <laughs> when I started doing advertising, I knew for a fact that every dollar I spent, I would make $10. Oh, wow. So that, So yeah, and like it took me about six months to realize that that's kind of how it was funneling, and so like that year close to Christmas time, I started dumping two hundred dollars a day in ads. Yes, and it just cut, and it was like times ten, times ten every time. And it's like, but then I started hitting the point where I was like, I can't keep up with this in (laughs) packing and shipping and doing all like I had literally every person in my entire family working for me for the month of December, till like three in the morning, like all day. You know, come in at eight, work till three in the morning for that whole month of December, and finally, like Austin, I know you're like a maniac, but you have to dial this back. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> like, I just want to keep going, you know. But anyway, so I eventually dial it back. But um, but nowadays, my biggest sales push is my newsletter because it's not getting you know throttled through Instagram or Facebook. So. Uh, which I know is like a lot of people hear that and they're like, that's like the old school way. I'm like, I know, but how else can I get directly to, you know, I think I've got like 10,000 people on my newsletter list. Wow. That's reaching 10,000 people immediate, like within five minutes,
0: you know? Yeah. So There's a lot of people out there that are getting a lot of traction with newsletters on like, uh, knife makers seem to be doing jumping back onto that. A lot of guys will just have, just put their random customs that they, Either not able to sell, or or just put specific things for people that are on the newsletter. So putting the power back in the seller, not into yeah, exactly
2: the hosting agent, Facebook.
1: I've I've actually heard a, a bunch of people because you know at one time Facebook was like you need to make your own fan page and your own group and and stuff like that. Like Brian House, he had a ton of success with doing that uh, DIY belt grinder group. You know, he's got like twenty thousand mm-hmm. in there and. So he had a really good success, but now it's, it's, they buried the groups also. Um, I've heard that people are starting their own discord groups and like, so it'd be like whatever your company is, your discord group. Hmm. And then it's giving you instant access all day. Like you can post photos, you can talk to customers directly and, you know, be like, Hey, here's exactly what I'm working on. It gives you a, um, a more intimate kind of, Basically, it pairs down the people who are actually going to spend a bunch of money for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I've heard of people having some pretty good success with That's that interesting. lately.
2: interesting. I didn't – I haven't heard that about Discord. Yeah,
0: I'm – I've actually been having a, like, I've tried to use Discord, and I have a hard time to really make sense of it at this point. But I've not spent a lot of time trying to figure it out either.
1: Yeah. It depends on how many people are in there and, like, how fast it gets updated, because it's it's more of like a throwback to the old school forum days, you know, at the, like the beginning of the internet. I know I'm dating <laughs> myself, but and what's
3: what's the woodworking side? Is it lumberjocks? That, that
0: was one of them. Yeah, yeah. The blacksmith one was I forge iron. Wasn't there like anvil fire too? Didn't they have a forum? I think so. I think so. I think there might have been yeah. something there too, but I got I got into the game late, well after Instagram and stuff got going, so. It's pretty amazing how you can make money on the internet these
2: days, regardless of what what <laughs> Easy there, Tony. <laughs> Just the way That's you pretty said amazing it. too though. <laughs> <laughs> find me on OnlyFans. But, yeah. Uh, uh,
3: uh, did you find my secret Etsy store? Is that what you're alluding to? I,
2: I have a feeling it's not Etsy. I, I think it's on OnlyFans and you're selling photos of your feet. that's what i it's not my feet (laughs) no it's not what i mean you do some blacksmithing too though right austin
1: yeah mainly once a year when everybody comes to my place (laughs) to do blacksmithing (laughs) yeah i mean i do but um i'm nowhere near as practiced as i should be it's it's kind of one of those things where it's it's kind of like like i have a shooting range on my property once you have a shooting range on your property, you don't shoot anymore. Like it's, <laughs> that's how it works. So the only time I shoot and the only time I blacksmith is when people are like, Hey, can we come over and blacksmith? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'll go out. It gives me an excuse yeah. you to go out there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I have like a whole blacksmithing shop set up and everything. It um, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's just, it's also really hot. <laughs> like during this time of the year. And it's, it's tough to convince myself it's to definitely get out a there. Fall and winter
2: activity for me
1: yeah definitely it was my whole shop so i have a roof but it's it's open air besides that so you know even if it's cold if it's windy and cold it's it's rough you know but um <laughs> yeah and you we know, in virginia we get like two weeks of good weather on each end of the year like two weeks of spring and two weeks of fall before it's like freezing and hot so it's um it's a little tricky but yeah i do and when we do high caliber camp that's a whole weekend where Like this year, we're going to have 20, I think 25 people coming. um, And we're making throwing tomahawks this year. It's a lot of people at your house. Yes, it is. My wife is a saint. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, who are all these freaks camping in the backyard? I'm like, don't worry about it. They're fine.
3: Why are they running around with throwing tomahawks? (laughs) Why are
2: are you (laughs) building these wackos (laughs) with weapons? I don't know any of them, but yeah, sounds like a good time down there.
1: Yeah, we had a lot of fun last year. Uh, last year it was only like fifteen people, and I, we were kind of operating at max because we last year we did kitchen cleavers, and and then of course we did a bunch of other stuff in between, like we did dinner bell, like tri- the triangles, you know, like the uh, old school tr- dinner triangles, and um, all like leather work, wood turning. I, like my shop is pretty equipped, you know. I have, I have a little bit of a tool addiction, so <laughs> I have. Currently, right now, I have eight lathes. Um, So we have enough where like people (laughs) can. (laughs) I mean, technically eight eight metal lathes. How Um, many wood lathes do you have? So I have three, four wood lathes, and yeah, four and four. Yeah.
2: In my head, I thought you had eight metal lathes.
1: Nope. No, not. I mean, if you start counting milling machines, which are technically (laughs) vertical lathes, I got a few more. (laughs) But but no, just four and four. And I, technically, I just sold one of them, so I called it even seven.
0: Even seven. <laughs> Good for you. How much space do you have?
1: So, I'm bu- I'm building a wood shop right now. So I, I have a um, a 40 foot uh, sea crate sea container, you know, like a shipping container. Yeah, the, the high cube, the tall ceiling one. And I just converted that into a wood shop. Um, so I have that whole, and that's eight by forty. And then the blacksmith shop is 40 by 16. And then I have my, like my machine shop and that's 20 by 24. And that's where I hang out. Cause it's AC and heated and comfortable. There's no dirty woodworking tools in there, <laughs> man. That's a lot of shop. Yeah. I mean, I just, um, I work in a I, 10 by not, 12 we'll see everybody's, my 12. <laughs> yeah. People say that though, but like, I can't, my last shop was 5,000 square feet, two stories. So, you know, like when I'm, when I went down to this, at first I just went to the single shop and I was like, how are we going to fit everything in this one building? And the answer is we didn't. And we bought a shipping container and shoved half of I it in it. that, <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. as storage. And then, so over the last couple of years, I've been um, trying to convert it, trying to sell some of this, the surplus. I have a little bit of a. Auction addiction, like a slight one. Um, like I'm picking up <laughs> stuff pretty much once a week <laughs> from auctions. So, um, so I had to sell a bunch of junk, and then, um, and then we set it up as a, like as of last weekend, we just finished all the electrical inside, so running conduit and putting breaker bu- pan, uh, breaker panel in there and everything. Do you do a lot of woodworking? No, no. <laughs> Not yet. Well, you I mean, did I'm the going table to, right? for make what so, you see here. Yeah, that was the biggest project I've done in woodworking for sure. And I got robbed. <laughs> I got robbed by these dirty guests, dirty hosts.
2: Easy there, easy.
3: <laughs> I felt the same way too. Austin. When you
2: make a yeah. urinal, you come back to us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that table was very impressive, though. I mean, that thing was so big; you had to move that around with your your tractor,
1: right? Uh, a tractor or several dudes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to get it in the house, it took a few people cause it, I mean, the, it was hickory wood, but, um, the base was really heavy cause it's two by two steel and, um, which that was, you know, I, I could not wait <laughs> t- to finish the woodwork cause I was like, I'm going to weld the whole base of this thing and have it done in a day. <laughs> like the woodwork took me a month and then I welded the whole base. I like, cut, I cut all the steel, welded everything together. And painted it all in a day it's wow. like man, woodwork is for the freaking scrubs man this takes forever <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah for me it would have been the reverse though would have taken True. me a month to weld yeah. that thing up
1: i, I just I, I don't know i'm not set up for because the table's 10 like right at 10 foot long and i'm not set up to have panels glued up that big you know so it, it just dominated my whole yeah. shop
0: I think outside of a cabinet shop, you'd find very few people (laughs) that could manage that size of the work. Mm -hmm. That's great. Everybody, so like my wife, I have her friends over,
1: and every one of them is like, would you consider building that table again? I'm like, sure, five grand down. Put five grand down, and then I'll start. (laughs) Yeah. No way. I'll stick with pens. (laughs) (laughs) For making money, at least the table is to make my wife happy because it took me, she's been, she was asking for about six years. Well, so. When do you make the chairs for her? I bought the chairs for her immediately when the table was done. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you got to pick your battles. Plus we were looking for chairs, man. And every chair that I like, I was like, th- like, I know Keith has kind of the same taste as, as me as far as like furniture goes. And every chair I saw, I was like, this chair, su- all these suck, everything sucks. And then as soon as I, bumped up the pro- like filtered by the price. As soon as I hit a thousand dollars a piece, I was like, Oh, we got some cool chairs now, but we need eight yeah. of them. Like, it's going to be eight grand for chairs. I'm like, okay, this ain't going to work. We're gonna have to figure something else out. So you found them though. Wow. I found some just, they're like stamped out, stamped steel chairs. It kind of matches the base a little bit black. And, um, I bought myself some more time until, cause she was like, I would like you to make, weld up some frames and then do like leather oh, cool. seats like the kind of like um you know like a swing seat I guess is how you would describe it and I was like yeah that's a cool idea we should hire somebody else to do, <laughs> to do those <laughs> yeah chairs take a long time and if you don't get them right i feel like you know you need to get them right where the a table's easy you know you have all the dimensions you need you you know exactly what height to make it the chairs i feel like the angles and stuff could really come back to you know, maybe make one Make sure it's good before you make all eight.
2: Yeah. I agree. I made a chair once and I did it from a plan and the angle was wrong and it's uncomfortable. So
1: there's a big difference between me and my wife too, because like when we walk down the street, we look like a number ten. <laughs> so, you know, she's like a hundred pounds and I'm not. So like <laughs> the chairs that she's like, This is perfect. I'm like, No, it's not. It's not perfect.
2: Yeah. Can't imagine fighting over chairs. It's not worth it.
3: <laughs> Austin, you talked about your shooting range on your property. Did that start because you needed 308 casings?
1: So originally I was using all my own stuff. Yeah. But we hit a level that was, un, I mean, unachievable. So I, I started, Um, I found a guy that basically sources all the machine gun brass from military bases, which all the machine, a lot of their machine guns are three hundred eight. And um, so, everything we're buying now is scrap brass from military ranges. And uh, I, w- <laughs> I have, he's like my dealer, right, for for that. So, when I first started, I was like, okay, I need like 5,000, you know, 5,000 shells or, or however many pounds that worked out to you. I can't remember because he was charging by the pound because to him, it's, you know, scrap brass. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then it finally got to the point where I was like, okay, we need like 10,000 at a go. And he's like. Okay, and then it finally it got to the point where it was like we had enough. We were buying enough at a time that it was fifty five gallon barrels of brass. What? And he's like, finally, he emailed me back one day, and he's like, "What are you doing with all this?" And he's like, "Are you reloading all?" This? I'm like, "No, we're making pens. <laughs> and then when you say when you tell somebody that you make pens for a living, their their first question is like, "What? What do you mean?" And I have to like describe it to him, like oh, you know, one that you a pen that you write with. Like you can do that for a living, yeah. <laughs> like, we people use pins still a lot, and um, so, anyways, he was very um surprised at what we were doing with it. And then and we got to the point where I had so I had one guy that all he did was prep prep shells all day long, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds a day. And uh, I was, was going job nonsense. you don't ever want. <laughs> oh man it is the worst like i would try to get in there and help him because i'm like you do you need me to help you for like and I, i'd make it to like for like 200 and after 200 i'm like let's go to lunch man let's like chick-fil-a or something let's do something any, let's do anything besides this for an hour <laughs> and uh but he was one of those guys that could just like stay on that ta- like i don't know what i have no idea what's going on in his mind because my mind's like thinking about like any way to get out of doing this and um but he could just sit there and jam it out. I think some people are built different. Yeah, that when you're paying somebody, pretty. Yeah, I still felt bad though because I'm like, this is so mind numbing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We had YouTube in the shop. I got like a 70 inch TV, so he, he was just like on the drill press with 70 inch TV in front of him. You know, we had the Bluetooth headphones. I'm, I'm like, okay, whatever. If, if it works for you, just don't get your hand and caught in Have the drill press.
2: Have you found press. a way to a- automate it now or no?
1: No, but we, so I, that's what started my tool gathering. So like I made every, every step was its own tool. So there right. was no changes at all. Like everything was set up, ready to go all the time. Um, and that's what made us so much faster. Um, just basically just production, like Henry Ford style, just production line. And um, so we would do a hundred, a hundred operations, a hundred shells at a time. So you start and you D prime a hundred. Then you go and you drill a hundred. Then you go and you, whatever was next, you know, p- 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 gluing stuff together, whatever, whatever. And you would do a hundred cause a hundred is how much w- would fit in the bucket. You know, like a, like a two quart bucket or whatever. So a hundred, you could do a hundred. And then, you know, once you hit the end of the line, you just go back and grab another hundred and just, so you'd kind of be like the, so technically you're like a rolling
0: assembly line. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it was, you know, so, but it was one guy.
0: Yeah. You know, just, just doing a doing a batch of 100.
1: Right. And um and I was trying I was doing Instagram, I was doing whatever, you know, taking picture, like I was just buzzing all over the place and then any of the custom like machine pins, I was doing all that stuff because I didn't trust anybody to run my new metal lathe. <laughs> so <laughs> um because it's, it's an expensive mistake if you crash it. So um but yeah, that's what we did and I when we, at that time I had it was inside the shop every day it was me my uncle and my cousin jamming pens all day long and then um at night i had the second crew that was all packing and chipping (laughs) that would help me in the office
2: all for it was crazy i'm I'm with your brass guy i still don't know how you make make a living selling pens
1: i mean it blew my mind at first now it's kind of you know business as usual kind of deal
2: that's cool though very cool
3: the quantities that you – I'm equaling up in my head just from you going to your brass guy. Those quantities are insane. Do you, do you have a running tally of how many pens you have sold to date?
1: No. I. So, when I've – I said, actually, you know what? You, I told you that I went to Shopify straight. I didn't go to Shopify straight. I went to a website that was called like um Big Cartel yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was awful. Like they they didn't track for sales tax. They didn't do all these things, and it made my life hell for two years because oh. I had to like go back track everything. So for two years, I had no data, um, basically. And then once I went to Shopify, that Shopify tracks it pretty well. But I've never actually added it up. Um, but for sure, there was a couple years there where we were selling well over twelve thousand pens. Um,
2: Man, that's amazing.
1: That is a which, wow. <laughs> That's hustling, that's super hustle that's um, a very that'll,
2: that'll burn you, you out know, real quick
1: yeah, it did i'm burn- i'm I'm totally burnt I'm still burnt, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still working, but I'm still burnt um yeah those so like those years were the years where my kids were just being born and little, so I had like zero sleep for about three years, and um I told my wife, I'm like, you aged me so much, all this gray is from you <laughs> <laughs>
0: That didn't go over well.
1: (laughs) No,
2: definitely (laughs) not. (laughs) So, you you obviously like to be a maker and make all different stuff. If it's not pens, what's your go-to? Like, if you have an hour in the shop or a day in the shop to just play around, what what are you going to go for? What are you going to go out and
1: make? Uh, Really just random, man. Like, I I like... Actually, you know what I like the best? I like making tools. So, like, like I made... the stacked leather handle mallet for doing leather work, like for tooling, leather, um, leather slickers, center fine, like pretty much anything. Um, but tools is my scribes. I like making scribes. I like anything as long as it's not the same over and over. So like uh, typically I'll make just like one or two when I make something different. Nice. I bought one of your scribes. It's nice. I like it. Thanks. Yeah. It's, um, I think they're cool. They're nice and heavy. That's the big difference between mine and the normal ones you get. The normal ones you get are all made out of aluminum, and they're like super lightweight and crappy. To me, a scribe should be nice and heavy, so it kind of just holds down as you're scribing it. They are cool. They're sharp though. Don't tap that end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll puncture you for sure. Yeah, let just send band aids with them.
2: <laughs> Don't do that. Then you're admitting guilt off the bat.
0: Say. <laughs> <laughs> What
2: about you, Tony? What have you been up to? Anything good?
0: Uh, Playing around the shop a little bit. I actually uh, started cleaning what? up. What? Really? Yeah. Went out today and did a little bit of cleanup. So, trying to make it look nice for my neighbors so they don't hate me.
3: They're Canadian. I don't think they can
0: hate you. No, we've, we've got hateful people up here too. We're not all nice and say sorry all the time. Jeez. Yeah, the more I hang out with you, Tony, the more I'm realizing this. That I'm there's just some, kidding. That, that there's some anger in Canada. Yeah. So yeah it's not all rainbows and <laughs> butterflies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what about you, Chad? Anything going on in your neck of the woods?
3: I'm still piling away on the, uh, the build out for the, the apparel company cargo van. So the big cubby systems, cabins, things like we that. We can see
0: it behind you.
3: Yeah. There, there's one of the ones <laughs> are right here behind me and it's, uh, it's pretty big. It's, Six foot long, six foot tall, 16 inches deep. It's on rollers now, so it's making it a little bit easier to kind of get to the pieces. But um, that's going well. I'm, I just finished the one with the hats, which just has a bunch of kind of diagonal shelves. So the hats can kind of face up on the shelves. That one's probably the easier one. The next three is going to be, I think, like 20 cubbies or something like that. And I really wanted to do, I don't know if you'd call that. You're going to have to help me with my woodworking terms. I want to do dados in the plywood for the shelves yeah. to go into. And I have a track saw and I have my tracks, but I want to use my trim router. And I wanted a way to use my trim router with the track. And I went online, I went on Thingiverse or on Google somewhere, and I found where you can print out a plate that you can put on the Makita trim router and it goes right into the track. So now I'll be able to line things up and put my dados all all done with the the track. I haven't done it on the actual pieces yet, but I did a test piece the other day and uh, it was a mess, but it cut a nice straight line. Good. Hmm. I'm excited about that. I'm going to, my plan is just to lay out all the vertical dividers on my workbench, clamp them together, and then just run the track down like six.
2: Well, before you cut the plywood, why once. don't you run your dados in? Oh crap. It's too late. <laughs> I already cut all the
3: plywood, but that's a really good idea. Yeah, if you
2: do it, if you do yeah, it before I you cut have. your plywood, then you know they're all going to be lined up, all parallel. Yeah, it's a that's good probably what your app that you mentioned last week doesn't have included in it. Yeah. So I was using my app, my
3: printouts on my cut list, and I was just going through each sheet, just cutting it the way it had pre-planned out. So not everything was lining up perfectly I mean, you make for the dados, but, but that is, that is a good idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: We'll see though. It's it's a big old three-quarter inch router bit and. I'm trying to just take a quarter inch bite out of it with each pass. I don't know if that's too ambitious or not, but uh, there's, there's nothing quite as messy as using a router freehand in your workshop.
2: It just goes.
3: That's the nature of
2: a wood shop though. You're going to make a mess. Did you come up with the plan for each of these or did the guy who's buying it all supply you with the layouts that he wanted?
3: So he, he comes over, he kind of, Gives me his general idea of what he envisions. And then we just sit down with paper and we sketch out together. We go back and forth. He goes and checks the dimensions of the van. He says, oh, actually, it's we need to make it shorter because it's not going to fit through the back door. Back and forth, back and forth. I did use a new app on my iPad called um, Shaper 3D, I think. It's kind of like a competitor to like SketchUp or Fusion in a way, but it's all on a tablet, which was kind of cool. I modeled it up on there and showed it to him. He liked kind of the simple design that I came up with and just kind of going from there.
1: Are you having to deal with like the wheel wells and stuff or is it, is it a flat back van?
3: Yes, we are dealing with the wheel wells. So
1: that, that was all part
3: of the plan. That's, that's why the depth is 16 inches because we can fit, I think, four of them in between the wheel wells there. He's going to stack them in like that. This is- My biggest fear is the vertical like the ramp going into the van itself, because these things are six foot tall. But if you have a long rectangle and you put it up at an angle, you're all of a sudden at seven foot tall. So depending on the angle going into that van, which I warned him, I said, hey, you really need to consider the angle of your ramp. And I'm I'm really terrified that the day that he comes to pick these up, it's not going to work, but we'll see. I'll keep everyone updated. So
2: you're not building out the van. You're building out pieces that just go in the van and then they come out of the van.
3: Yes, the van is just a transportation device. Okay, mm-hmm. just rolls in and rolls out. Goes to different conferences and expos and things like that.
0: You were saying it was going to have a like a point of purchase kind of spot in the in the doors or whatever.
3: So that's another unit that will go into the van for transportation. That's just going to be a checkout counter that he will also set up at his booth. So he says he. It depends on oh, the, okay. the expo, but sometimes he has like a 30 by 30 space to set up all his tables in these cubbies. And then one of them will be a fold-out, kind of like fold-out plywood. And then you can put your butcher block on top. And then you have kind of a, a table that just
2: kind of folds out. And so it's all these rustic. boxes coming in and out, you need to make it pretty rugged.
3: Yes. Because they're going to get rugged. Doing they're going to get beat uh, up pretty good. They will. And these wheels are pretty small. He purchased the wheels there little three inch
2: overall height. I think the wheels themselves are just uh inch and a half. Sounds to Heart me like rubber. he's going to be back for round two pretty soon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, he can handle it. He just he, he, yep. he keeps me busy.
0: I'd be thinking of version 2.0 on the wheels for the something that small. That's going to take a lot of abuse.
1: Not only like that. You hit one little rock. It's like a skateboard when you're,
0: you know, one little rock and that thing's going to be getting stuck small wheel and they're six foot by six foot so how heavy is that that rack bites or that cabinet by itself
3: man it's heavy it probably has about three sheets worth of plywood there so i'm thinking we're probably pushing over 200 pounds i want to see what kind of
0: weight casters he bought <laughs> yeah, <and then>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: they came from amazon so i don't have much faith in them
0: <laughs> yeah might want to might want to get out in front of that one
3: now that i got one of the units built I, I think I'm gonna call him and see if he can come over. I don't know if he has the van or not, but if he does, before I make the next ones, I wanna see if he can come out, and just check out the design and if anything needs to be changed. If we need to do a change order, change up the design, change up the price, we can do it before the actual expo. Are they
2: getting painted? Ugh. Stained. <laughs> They're getting stained. Again, a uh the walnut live edge thing.
3: no these aren't getting the the fake live edge walnut they're just he just wants dark brown so it'll be i i really like the minwax provincial i think it's called it gives it looks it makes a nice brown i kind of stick with that even with my fake walnut don't go with minwax walnut that that's got a weird green tone to it it's it's kind of gross it's
1: like air dried walnut
3: oh that's what that is
1: I'm pretty much a wood professor. Like I do so much woodwork, I know all these <laughs> things. <laughs> well, Keith is not correcting you, so you no. must be onto something. Yeah, it's because he's on drugs and yeah. woozy. Yeah.
2: No, air-dried walnut does have some green tones, some purple tones, some red tones, depending on the type of walnut it is. But yeah, he's he's not. What's raw. the
3: more sought-after walnut? Uh, what do you mean? Just just a pen. Uh, like if I was. A woodworker and i had a choice between air dried walnut or kiln dried walnut where would i go it depends do you, do you would want the kiln kiln dried be more of a brown more so subtle
2: uh some kiln dryings when they when they dry the walnut they steam it and what the steaming does it, it balances the color from the sapwood to the heartwood so it's more uniform mm-hmm. so if you're looking mm-hmm. for a uniform walnut so where every board you glue up is going to match, then you're going to want steam kiln
1: dried walnut. That's interesting. I cut down a bunch of walnuts on our property when we were expanding. And, um, I was really surprised with how much white was on the sides of the walnut. And, it, and like in, in my head, I'm like, man, they must be wasting so much of this wood because nobody wants white walnut. Right. <laughs> so, um, but that's interesting that they steam it to get it to yeah. even out.
2: I mean, they still waste some of that. And it, right. it's all about the grading process. Walnut goes through its own grading. But um, if you're a hand tool woodworker, you're probably going to want air dried because
1: it's just easier to work. When you do the finish, does those greens and purples go away or do they Do they kind of hang oh, out? I know. Because I, I turned a bowl. I also cut down a mulberry tree on my property, and I turned a bowl for my wife out of it and um when it started it was like a almost like a canary yellow like super super bright yellow and then i saw I saw it the other day and on our shelf and it now it's it looks like it's walnut like it's yeah. dark brown and it's just, i guess just from uv it's exposure it's like purple
2: Heart on then mm. go brown it's purple and you know as you do it if you right. don't put uv inhibitor uh on there it's going to go brown but like then a cherry comes out like a real light brown, but then it gets into that deep cherry wood color as it ages. Um, walnut will actually get lighter as it ages, depending on whether or not you stained it. Um, so when you first finish it, it'll be the darkest it's going to be. And then it'll lighten up unless you stain it. I did, I did look into getting actual walnut plywood to
3: build these cases out of because I was like, if I can get out of the staining... And just get the wood and just spray it with a finish and be done. That would be amazing. But my price difference, I don't know, maybe I should have done it, but my price difference was uh, about $80 a sheet compared to $200 a sheet for the walnut. It was kind of a big difference there. I don't know if he would have gone for that price. What are you going to do about the front edges? Uh, Edge banding. Let me show you this 250 foot. For an audio podcast, he's going to show us.
0: (laughs) Here's a reel of some magical substance giant (laughs) Giant
3: roll roll of birch edge banding and i i don't know what it is with edge banding but i hate it it's not fun you have that i don't know maybe i don't have the right tools but i have a tiny little iron i just got the fast cap straight edge clippers which are helping me a little bit on the edges there and then i got this tiny little it's a new device that i've never seen before it's plastic it's got a round circular cutter on it and then it's got a piece of plastic that pinches against the edge, which is, it's working pretty well. I've used a lot of different devices for edge banding and normally they just get dull so quickly, but this one seems to be doing pretty well. And you can rotate the circle if it starts to get dull. So it seems like there's a lot more life left in you this one. You know what you
2: need is the Festool Contoro.
3: Yeah, I saw, what is it, Jeff at Green Street just got well, one of those? had it
2: for a year or so, but yeah, that thing's nice.
3: So what is it? like a, It's kind of like a router, but it's got a long plate on the front that allows you to run straight up against the edge banding. No.
2: No, it's the edge banding a festival, thing. It's like a pot of glue. But.
3: Oh, like the whole machine that puts the yeah. edge banding on. Oh, yeah. I was just looking at his trimming oh, tool. Oh, I don't know, what, I
2: don't so know he, what that is. I
3: didn't know he had the actual machine.
2: Yeah, I think he does. Yeah.
3: I did look into those too, because the amount of edge banding on these cubbies is going to be insane. It's a lot.
2: <laughs> The complete Contoro set, set is only five grand.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's already got two grand worth of plywood in each right. one of these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I just don't really want an edge bander. Like, if I had the space and I was a cabinet shop, it would be like, yeah, it makes sense for me to get that tool. But to, like, use it for, like, a job once a year, I don't know. I wish I could rent one for a day.
1: That'd be great. You might be able to take it, find a... A pro shop around you, you know, guys just building cabinets all the time, drop all those things off, say, hey, edge band the front of these things. Might be surprised how cheap it would be.
3: It's a good idea and I'm going to ask him if he can stain them and finish them for me too. (laughs) Well, that's not going to be cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys ever sprayed stain? I mean, you guys have probably never stained anything, have you?
1: So, I built a couple just like those for my surf shop and I I didn't spray it, but we did a, a... stain in poly in one cuz i was just trying to get it done. Ooh, yeah. That go was, on. I mean that's what we <laughs> used and it it worked good but um it was a pain in the butt cuz of all the cubbies. If i was going to do it again i would have finished everything in sheets and yep. then ripped it and then assembled and yep. then kind of touched up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought about going that far with it cuz you can
3: be super efficient with just staining the entire sheet. I mean then i would essentially have those walnut sheets that cost $200. I I'm gonna do this with the cubbies. I'm not gonna attach any of the shelves. I'm gonna assemble it essentially, but then pull all the pieces out and then finish them flat so that I don't have all those corners because those corners are the worst. Now, are you edge banding before you assemble it? The um, I just started putting. I don't know some pieces. Yes. Sounds like you've got the process <laughs> nailed. I've only built one. <laughs> I built one before I built the other three so I could really figure out my process. And uh, yeah, I've got some figuring out to do still. But my plan is, yeah, the edge banding is kind of what would come before the sanding and then the finishing.
1: Yeah, for my pit cubbies, when I built them, I was like, we're not doing edge banding. So I ripped strips and turned mm. them and then just and yeah, shot, that's them, what, in. That's what shot I them in mean. the front did like a face frame or whatever, whatever they call that.
3: Hmm. Yeah. I, I like that version more. Honestly, that, that seems to be more durable, especially if you put
1: a little glue behind that as well. The problem is if people, what we ran into, cause we had one cabinet that was the edge banding and people are pulling t-shirts and like sliding them across the edge banding constantly. Yep. It wore off the edge banding on the top edges, you know, cause they're pulling hoodies and all the jacket. Cause we had so much apparel and, um, it, they just wore out. So I actually, I went back and just face framed them right over top of the edge banding that we had on that one cabinet. And then the rest of the, every time we build a cabinet after that, we, we didn't build it that way. Yeah. I've noticed with edge banding, the trick is
3: even after you've got the, it attached and really well done, you still need to put some kind of round over chamfer on it because like you said, people pulling things out, God, I made some, some huge cabinets for uh A marching band and they're pulling out these huge metal cases out so it lasted about a day before the band director called me and was like hey this uh these cabinets are falling apart and i was like oh god no and that was when i learned the hard lesson of you be very generous with your round over on your
2: on your edge banding if you're going to use that hardwood strips like what austin did before i like it i thought it was faster than edge banding
1: it is especially if you just rip cuz you're going to stain it walnut anyways just rip walnut and cover it up
2: gives it a nicer look at the front of it too
3: but that's about all I got going on that the 3D printer I, I'm I'm really excited that the 3D printer is still creating tools that can be used in a practical way like I I bought an actual Makita jig for my trim router but then I found out I have to have the plunge base for it for it to work and then I looked at the plunge base, and it was like another hundred and fifty dollars. And I was like, I just don't feel like spending money on the plunge base. I went online and found that 3D print out jig,
2: and it worked out perfectly. So that's all I got going on. Keith, what about you? Not much, not much at all. Been down and out lately. Got nothing going on. I did order a, a new stereo for my truck. That's fun. I haven't done that in a while. I'll be putting a stereo in my truck soon. Are you going to get one of those cool? What are they putting in trucks now? Like
3: 13 inches wide, 20 inches tall? The Tesla display? No.
2: No. <laughs> no, but I did go with an Apple CarPlay unit. Nice. So, that'll be fun. But it's some brand I never heard of before, but it was cheap, so I bought it.
0: That's for the 2500 yeah. right? Yep. Okay.
1: With the lift gate. Do
0: you guys follow
1: Stephanie from Uncommon Outpost? Yes. Yes. So she just did her whole stereo and her Honda yeah, element. I talking to her about it. Her. What a nightmare. It was <laughs> like terrifying to watch her tear. Like the in- whole inside of the car was yeah. gone. Really?
0: Yeah. Every I piece s- of interior was out. I, I saw the, the, at that stage, I haven't seen the end result. I've been kind of hit and miss with her stories. As you know, Instagram loves to, to show you stuff you don't want to see. <laughs>
1: I haven't seen a completed shot, so I don't know if she's actually done. But it's I was talking to her
2: before I ordered my stereo. I asked her which one she got because I knew she was going Apple CarPlay, and the one she picked was uh, out of my budget. But, but uh, I said, Are you happy with it? She's like, Yeah, it's going great. So I don't know if she actually finished it in stories yet. Maybe there's a few minor things she wants to complete before she posts up the final product, but I didn't see it either. And I was following that pretty intensely.
0: She, yeah, I think she was driving that with a bu- with a bucket as a seat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she point. pulled everything
2: out to do dynamite and everything. She was doing it right, but
1: the legit car guys call those true bucket seats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> true car guys, yeah,
1: yeah, of the five gallon variety.
0: Yeah that that takes some uh, takes some cojones to pull a car apart to that level that she did. That was. That was impressive. Oh, her
2: her daily <laughs> especially driving. when it's yeah, your it's only, only car. car. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: that's I would so never, different. <laughs> I would never do that.
1: She's a brave woman. I would. Those elements are pretty cool though cuz you can you can hose them out with a garden hose. Like they're completely waterproof on the inside. Yeah, they're cool. We did a sponsored deal for them like way back when I was building surfboards when the Element first came out. They were they were they're pitching them as like the perfect beach vehicle. Oh yeah. And uh, they hired us for a uh, beach shaping demo. And they had the, the car in the tent with me. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a surfboard being shaped, but foam goes you – know, I'm using a handheld <laughs> electric planer. Foam goes everywhere. Oh, yeah. And it's not only just foam, it's static charged foam because it gets shot out of a plastic planer. And um, they're like, oh, yeah, it'll be – I'm like, you, you guys should totally not have that in here because all the doors, everything was open so people could come in. Like, the people were walking in the tent, checking – it was a monster tent. And I was like, you guys should definitely not have that in here. You're going to regret it. This stuff is going to be everywhere. They're like, "Oh, this is the new element. It's so cool. You can hose it out. It'll be no problem." <laughs> Next day, it was out of the tent because they had they spent like all night cleaning it after the event.
2: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite features about
3: the uh, the element as well. Just that that whole concept of like, it's it is a work vehicle. It really is. I mean, it's so cool that you could take a pressure washer to it and just get it I wish all they out. They still made it. Me too. Yeah. Or bring it back. What? Why the Bronco? They should have brought no, back the, the element.
0: Pretty cool. Well, that's Honda versus Ford. You're mm. two different companies now. Come on,
3: come on, Honda. You like the new Bronco? I do. I I wish it was a little bit bigger. To me, it it kind of reminds me of the Explorer with oh, bigger it's tires. The
2: original Bronco from the '67. Yeah, it's
0: it's more the original.
3: Is it? Yeah. I always I always I guess when I envision the Bronco, I. I see the width at least as wide as like an F-150.
2: And I feel like this is a little bit thinner, but maybe I'm wrong. I say again, it's because it's the f- remake of the first edition Bronco.
0: Yeah, it's it's bigger than the original Bronco. Like the very first version, it's bigger than that was. But it's not the same size as like the 80s Bronco that was essentially an F-150 with a yeah. cap on it, which is for some reason what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man.
1: I had one in high school and I lo- I, was, I had an 88 oh, yeah. was, hands down. It's my favorite vehicle I've ever had in my whole life. And I've had about 40 vehicles. So <laughs> did, that, did yours have the hard top? Yeah, mine was a hard top. So I had the surf rack bolted on the back and I had a rig where I could pull under, uh, and use the surf rack to lift it off, unbolt it and lift the back off the truck.
0: Yeah. I just can't get over like, for me, as a kid, the ones I remember were the Bronco Twos, so essentially the oh, Ford Ford Ranger with a cap had. on it. Like, exactly. are
2: I ugly. It. I loved it. I want another one.
1: That's yeah. the reason you like this new piece of crap they're selling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just look at it and they're selling oh, for I like eighty grand. Like, way too much money. I don't money. see it. I don't see yeah. it.
2: Yeah, but even Jeeps are way too much money now. Yeah, people are buying. I think it's because everyone just leases now. I don't think, like most people who are driving a car like that or leasing it, they're not buying it.
0: There'd be very few that would be. Everybody looks at payments now, right? Yep,
2: that's like what we talked about in our last
0: after show. <laughs> We're not getting a hydrogen fuel cell nah, car again, nah. are we? <laughs> I've really been enjoying our after
3: shows. they uh they've been going on some kind of weird scientific kick lately. And uh if anyone is interested in joining our after show, you can just join the Patreon over at working nope, nope. The website would be patreon.com slash working hands podcast, and you can join our after show and join in on the scientific fun
0: over there. You mean the ranting of madmen? Yes. <laughs> this is pretty much what it is.
3: I can't wait to get the uh, the emails so, about all that. Yeah.
0: And here's our list of people who like to enjoy listening to us for some reason. <laughs> the rantings of Mad Men. So we have uh, Corey of Odyssey Stan, the Etsy Boys, Christy of Twisted Twine, Annette of 513 Woodworks, Hot Iron Metalworks, Full Steam Design by Chris Powell, Lillian Archer Photography, David Beckwith-Makes, NB Woodfinery, and then our top tier, we have eSpoke Studios, Danelle Smith-Christian, Brian Drennan, Lawrence of MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, Ed Johns, Uncle Sam Metalworks, Green Street Joinery, Timothy's 5-Minute Fix and Crack Toilet Repair. You got to change that.
3: Still got to change that.
0: <laughs> uh, Vincent Ferrari of Because We Make, Brian Hausworth of Workfort Podcast, Artigino Sorio. Matt of Wooden Mustache, and Lee of Regal Street. Thank you, everyone.
3: Yes, thank you all very much. And at this point, I should be telling you all to go buy some swag from the Working Hands podcast. But instead, I want to tell you to go check out Austin at High Caliber Craftsman. And also go check out his
2: podcast at Making Our Way. And with that, you can find Chad on all the socials at Chad's Custom Creations. Tony's at Woodland Iron. I'm at Black Lauren Concepts. The collective three of us can be found at Working Hands Podcast on Instagram, or you can send us an e- email on Gmail, workinghandspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to rate and review the show, we'd greatly appreciate a five star review. Don't forget, if you're coming to Maker Camp, check out the Maker Camp Maker Swap. Bring an item, make an item. It'll be a, a good time for all. With that, let's go on over to the after show, boys.
0: Later. Bye.